Welcome to All Things Wolves and Lyle, brought to you by Wolves of the Rockies. Hi, this is Kim Bean. My guest today is Betsy Klein with Plan B to Save Wolves. Betsy's no ordinary advocate. She wears many hats. Betsy is the co-founder of Plan B to Save Wolves. She's the co-producer of Sedona Wolf Week, a member of the National Coalition to End Killing Contests, the district leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and a member of the Arizona Wildlife Team. Betsy and the Plan B Foundation have helped rescue over 220 wolf dogs and helped with funding for over 25 wolf rescues. This is not to mention the numerous grassroots organizations that they've helped with funding for advocacy projects. And all of this and so much more in three short years. I am excited to finally have the opportunity to sit down with Betsy. So without further ado, here is Betsy Klein. Hey, Betsy, thank you so much for taking time out on your Sunday afternoon to hang with me and chat. We have so many things that we can discuss and I want to discuss. And um, first and foremost, thank you for being with me. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm ready. I've got my glass of wine. I've got my wolf dog Siri sitting next to me. <laughs> You're really ready. We're I'm, ready to go. I'm drinking We're tea. We're really ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very honored to be on one of your podcasts. Thank you so much. Well, I'm really excited that we, we've made it happen and, and everybody's healthy and happy and ready to roll. So let's start out first and foremost. Plan B. You guys, you have just started this literally three years, right? I mean, since 2016, going on four years. Yep. And the accomplishments have been, I mean, out, out of the world, so amazing. So tell me a little bit about Plan B. Tell me what happened. How did it happen? What's going on with that? So how it happened is, is you know, I used to live in Los Angeles, and I volunteered for almost a year at an organization called Wolf Connection. And I ended up moving back to Sedona, Arizona, permanently to be with Timon, who is now my husband. And, uh, you know, there's no wolf sanctuaries close by here. And he really felt uh, I wanted to do something with wolves, but I wasn't sure. Wolves and wolf dogs, but I wasn't sure what. And so one day at lunch, he starts talking to me about starting my own nonprofit. But I wasn't exactly sure what we would do. And, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits out there, sure. you know what I mean? And so everybody's vying for that space and those donor dollars. And is it better to partner with something that already exists, you know, because we're all better together, right? Absolutely. And so what I, what I did find, though, that there was a bit of a gap in having an organization that actually helps all organizations. And that's how the name came about, the Plan B. We are the Plan B for various organizations who may need funding or help putting out awareness or putting on events, a variety of things. And the naming comes is because of me. Simon calls me B, so he calls it the Plan B. What's the Plan B? So, <laughs> so that's how the name came about. And you're right. It was actually about three years ago this month that we got our official 501c3 status, and we started out actually very slow. Our biggest event was Sedona Wolf Week, which has continued to grow leaps and bounds as we head into 2020. It's phenomenal. And a few were, yes, it is phenomenal, and I'll, and I'll touch on that in a second. And, it, and there was a few little things here and there, 
And it really started to take off in 2017 when people began to realize we were a legitimate organization with donors that believed in what we were doing, that it is all about helping each other, you know, what's that saying, uh, a tide lifts all ships. That has always been my belief that we're stronger together. And I understand the need for all of us to maintain our individual donor databases and our fans, but there are many things that we can do together to help each other out as nonprofits that advocate for the wild wolf and or rescue wolf dogs. And hence, that was what we started doing. And we really got into it in... 2017, 2018, we were involved in that epic dog rescue. We also got involved in a lot of advocacy projects. In fact, Kim, you may not know this, but you were there when I Am Wolf Nation was first in Yellowstone when we were on that trip together. Yeah, it was awesome. And so here we are at the end of 2019. And so many people ask me, what is it that Plan B does? And so this podcast is actually the very first time I'm going to say this to an audience. Yay! <laughs> so, yay! So moving into to try and visually and succinctly show what we do, we came up with Plan B Cares. And the C stands for community, the A for advocacy, the R for rescue, the E for education, and the S for sanctuary, which is specific to the sanctuary we've adopted here in Tonopah, Arizona. Very cool. So what do you think? I love it. <laughs> yeah, we thought it was a great way to kind of uh, summarize it all into one space. And uh, and I can go into the detail of each one of those things if you like. Or I would. It's CARES. Questions. Let's start out with community. Okay, so community is really our call, the Wild Mural, which is a traveling art installation, and the community, as in you, me, general public, can draw, paint, or write our messages of support for wolves, wildlife, the Endangered Species Act, our public lands, whatever it may be, all over this mural. And the mural is actually comprised of individual wolf silhouettes. And these wolf silhouettes can be joined together into one long mural, or we can, you know, tear them to look like a pyramid. And they're various sizes and shapes. And the best part of that is it was actually created by an artist and also an advocate named Lauren Strohacker, who I just happened to cold call, cold call one day out of the blue and asked her if she'd be willing to partner with me on this project. And so the wolf silhouettes are actually her art. Cool. that we are using um, with her remission, and it's building and growing. Uh, we did an event just recently in Flagstaff, and it's amazing to watch the children get involved, which is actually, you know, what this is really all about, is creating our future advocate. Absolutely. And the children would come, yeah, absolutely, and they would paint and draw, and we had uh, other things going on there that day to make a nice family event out of it. And I'm really thrilled because we're going to be at the state capitol here in Arizona, with the mural for people to paint on in April of 2020. So that to me is really bringing together the community and our legislators in one location with this Art for Advocacy project. So I'm very, very excited about it. Is there something happening at the Capitol that in April that is bringing you there, or is April just a great month to be there? We wanted to be there when legislation is in session, and I'm sure you can imagine the number of organizations trying to schedule something on the Capitol lawn while they're in session (laughs) is expensive. Oh, yeah. And despite me applying two years, you know, two years in a row, we got this date 
uh, although it is very at the tail end of the session, but I hope that they will still be there. And uh, so that was the motivation to have it during that time. Excellent. 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 So then we go to, go ahead, please finish. Oh, well, I was just going to say the idea with a little help from some friends and some donors is it will travel. And we've already received interest outside of Arizona where we would take it across country. And ideally the finished product uh, would end up in the, in the national mall in Washington, DC and really become a testimony to, for all of us, to our legislators, you know, that we want wildlife protected. The importance of it, it, it that to me yes. is amazing. And I, I have no doubt with you um, pushing this um, behind it, it will happen. Everything you do Thank you. happens. So um, to me, you. that's a huge <laughs> thing. I want to keep going with this, but I, I really sure. want, to, want to plug Plan Plan B Foundation. But um, by the way, Plan B dot Foundation. You guys can find all this stuff out there on that uh, website as well. Um, a in the cares uh, advocacy. Let's move forward. Advocacy, with that. yes, yes. I'm extremely proud of the things that we accomplished this past year. Uh, really super proud to be part of a core team of uh, the four of us who really led the charge. And we're able to have Arizona make history where it became the fourth state in the nation to ban wildlife killing contests. Yes. And, and we did it within a year's time. Um, and it amazing. really was just an, an incredible effort because we, you know, when you utilize the system, it can work. And what we did is we started out with local governments, county commissions, city councils, where killing contests were taking place. And we were making them aware that this was going on on our public land within their jurisdiction. They had no idea. They had actually no idea. And we would present each of them with a packet of information that explained exactly what wildlife killing contests are with uh, pictures from uh, the organizers of the contests that were taking place in their area. And they were absolutely appalled. And so what we did is we asked all of these counties and cities to pass resolutions saying they oppose these killing contests. Now, keep in mind, resolutions, they're not law. And that's okay because what they are is the voice of the people, right? And so as – because these are elected officials. So when they sign off on a resolution, they are essentially saying, my constituents oppose wildlife killing contests. So we started to uh, gather support, and we were at about 30% of the state when Arizona Game and Fish started to pay attention to what we were doing. Because keep in mind, we're also attending Game and Fish Commission meetings and speaking out about this as well. So with diligence uh, and many individuals and organizations that came on board, we just kept making, you know, you got to show up. And that's what we did. We showed up time and time and time again. And I'll tell you, one of the best strategies we employed is using the imagery and verbiage of the killing contest participants and organizers against them in these public statements. Because when you're standing before, yes, because when you're standing before a county commissioner and you're reading the quotes from some of these websites and some of these social media pages, they're absolutely appalled. And it comes from the people themselves, right? That's and that, awesome. to me, I found, yeah, and I would encourage anyone working on advocacy that 
use their own words and imagery against them, whether it's killing contests or whatever it may be, because then there's nothing to counter, right? It's their stuff, right? They have to face it. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, The other part of advocacy that we do is, and this is what I was talking about being birthed in Yellowstone that year we went together, is I am Wolf Nation. And I think you recall we were having some meetings and I was getting a bit frustrated because I felt like if, you know, we've got APAC doing a great job educating our future adults, you know, going to the school, teaching children about it. We've got groups like yourselves out there doing some legislative work, educating, working on the reintroduction. And I just felt like I needed to really hit it home from an advocacy standpoint to really kind of get friends with our legislators, be a part of our legislators, but also to help people, where can we go for sort of a one-stop shop of what's going on? That's when I Am Wolf Nation was born in mm. that Yellowstone trip. Um, awesome. I literally woke That's up cool. in the middle of the night and said, oh, my God. <laughs> now, it's still, I would have to say that Wolf Nation, you know, we're looking to grow that this coming year. And what we do mostly is on that web, it's just a virtual website. We're going to turn it into a 501c4 this in 2020. And it's meant to share information and disseminate information from any organization that's advocating on behalf of wildlife. So it'll so be open to, alert. open to um, all advocacy groups, regardless of what Absolutely. type of wildlife. That's that's really exactly a, that's really amazing. Regardless I mean, of size, right? all of that. Yeah, you could you could be a, a two man crew that just started, and you're advocating on behalf of the San Hill Crane. No problem, right? You know, so really helps get the, the voice out there. I think yes. that's the beauty yes. of of um, a lot of times with the social media, but but more importantly, um, when you have one group such as and the whole reason for this is that it's really hard sometimes to get your word out and um, you know on on whatever it is that you, you you love and you want to to you know keep for future generations. Um, so to have a place like this, it really helps all advocates to be able to go down a list and say, oh, my God, I didn't realize this was an issue. Because a lot of times we have a tendency to become polarized, <laughs> you know. So oh, absolutely. it's kind of a, a beautiful thing to be able to reach out and, and um, help fellow advocates out there with, with their causes as well. I love this. This is, well, this you, is great. Yeah, if you think about it, it goes back to the genesis of the concept of Plan B. You know, I will always say we're stronger together. Join forces and voices, I often say. And I understand fully that the Center for Biological Diversity or, you know, uh, Western Watersheds probably don't need Wolf Nation out there promoting. But it's just another avenue, right, to share that information to those who may not see it on those social media pages or may not see it on those websites. Or maybe they're seeing it for a second time, and that's when it finally strikes a chord, right? Right. Because um, you never know, and that's all. It's, that's all its intent is. Um, by turning it into a five hundred one c four, we're going to start looking at uh, people actually running for offices, and I'd like to put together a wildlife agenda. I know that there are organizations out there that talk to legislators about what their agenda is on animal welfare. And it generally focuses on domestic pets, which is fabulous, mm-hmm. and tries to on um, our farm animals, which are in dire need of protections as okay. well, mm-hmm. but little, if any, on wildlife. And I think that because wildlife is so tied to our, to us and our public lands, you know, it, it, it needs 
to be on their radar. And that's one of the things that I'd like to do moving forward as well. I love it. Yeah, I think, um, I, you know, when you're talking about the large organizations, they have their niche and it's a very, hmm, it's a, a, a larger thing. Um, and I truly will always believe that the grassroots organizations are where things change. I know that being involved with one, that we as a grassroots organization make changes and those grassroots are the ones that need a lot of focus. And I think that, um, you know, we are Wolf Nation to me is um, that is an amazing ability to allow that to, you know, to shine a light on the grassroots, the ones that are at that, you know, literally standing toe to toe with these these lawmakers within each state. And um, and let's face it, the majority out there are doing it. For free, it's all volunteers. So oh, yeah. all the help oh, yeah. in the world is is so important, and just bringing light to it is is essential. So, yay, yay! I'm yeah, excited. And, 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 yeah, and absolutely. And, and you know, just to touch back on the killing harness, you know, we drove on our own time, dime and time all over the state to do that. I mean, you really do need a if you're going to tackle something, you need a core. Uh, I would keep it small, your core team, right, Mm -hmm. that you work really well with, and then obviously expand from there. Um, But that is what it took to get it done. And there were other things involved in that as well, but you do have to show up. And I know that this is something that's being said a lot now by various groups. Um, When I listened to your interview with Casey York, who I adore, um, you know, you guys talked about Facebook and, you know, pushing the emoji button or signing a petition, and that doesn't count. You know, when we were in um, those Demon Fist Commission meetings and they tallied the votes, Mm -hmm. they actually separate here, you know, 4,000 people were in support of the ban. Only 800 had unique uh, emails, right, Mm -hmm. that they wrote in, where the other 3,200, and I'm being rough with the numbers, I don't remember off the top of my head, were just template emails. So even the emails that you're sending in, can no longer be the template, right? Because they're just they're, counting that. As they just, count it as one. You're just copying and taking. Yes, exactly and right. That's exactly the problem right. with things, and that's, I think, where Casey and I were trying to, to hit was, you know, petitions used to be back in the day something that, that people looked at, you know, legislatures and so on looked at. They don't. They don't care anymore because they're making mm-hmm. it harder and harder, and it's just so much more out there to deal with. And so what they do... Um, what they do recognize is when there's a whole lot of voices in front of them, when oh, there's sure. a yeah. lot of faces that are saying we've had enough and we want change. Yes. And that's Absolutely. really, really important. So as much as, as agreeing with us on social media, that emoji button isn't making change and it's not voicing right your your opposition to whatever's happening so i'm going to stop with that because i really want to go on um the next part of the cares is rescue and part of that rescue is really what i found to be probably the most amazing thing that you guys in my opinion there's so many amazing things but the rescue you guys did with (laughs) with those those dogs uh and wolves were just i i watched the insanity that you that that you and Apex yeah. went through getting that done, but what what a uh, what a feat! So please, rescue is the next uh, the next one. Right. So moving forward, rescue is going to refer more to our our 
smaller rescue efforts, and the S is going to cover Sanctuary, which is where a majority of the um, high desert wolf dogs went. But, you know, when we started out, um, rescue to us was funding a transport or funding some spay and neuter or funding. We have a, a rescue right now where we are funding uh, heartworm, uh, a heartworm treatment for a beautiful low-content wolf dog that was adopted instead of put down because we were willing to commit to that regimen because it is survivable. So in 2018, I had become aware of something called high desert wolf, which I had never knew about. Um, keeping in mind, I'm still new to all this. So I had been barely a year and a half into the wolf dog community. And we were told um, that some man was making a last ditch effort to save these dogs who were all going to be euthanized by Lassen County, California within, at the time, I think it was about 40 days because of a public nuisance violation. It was actually just a public nuisance ordinance. It wasn't even an animal, uh, there was no criminal charges involved. It wasn't endangerment and or anything like that. No, no. And so there was a long history with this organization, which quite frankly, I don't speak of because I wasn't involved. And that's sort of one of my mantras in life, unless you were involved in the conversation or the communication or what was going on, you probably shouldn't speak on it, right? Yes. So I know there was lots of issues and different perspectives and opinions, and I heard from a lot of people, trust me, about high desert wolves, but I'm going to pick it up from where I first became involved, which was August 27th, and uh, Susan Wydell, one of the most amazing people I know, I honestly don't know how she does it, who rescues wolf dogs and dogs every single week of the year, mm-hmm. were speaking on the phone, and things weren't going well with David, uh, who, was, who had started this, and to no fault of his own initially, because, you know, he wasn't a rescuer. Um, he didn't have the history. He put up a GoFundMe and was making an attempt at it. And so we decided to help him. And by doing so, um, a whole host of things happened all at once. Um, one is, you know, we received a lot of hate mail, if you will, and negativity for trying to help, quote unquote, that woman who ran High Desert Wolf. Um, and then, and then, of course, we ran into just these what seemed at the time insurmountable obstacles and logistics because of the location of High Desert Wolf. So, for example, when Timon and I went up there, you have to stay an hour and a half away because that's where the nearest hotel is. You have to fly into Reno and drive four hours. The nearest vet was an hour away. Uh, You know, so it became a bit of a logistical uh, nightmare, to be perfectly honest with you. We would be in a situation where we would have a place for the dogs to go, a transporter to take them, but I couldn't get a vet on property to provide the rabies certificates and health checks so they could cross state lines. Right. Because of the um, so we would fly. <laughs> I mean, it was like literally a study. I mean, someone should study that. No kidding. <laughs> it was just literally one thing after another. Yep. And, you know, I went to court. Um, I did testify that we needed more time. Um, the, the attorney for the county commissioner uh, was definitely uh, not a fan of High Desert Wolf. Um, I hobbled up there, uh, 
I'm still in a surgical cast and against my uh, doctor's wishes, traveled up there, drove myself to Lassen County and uh, testified in court and bought us another 30 days. And, you know, we eventually did it. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in between, you know, that happened. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happened since. Um, I still live and breathe High Desert Wolf Rescue every single day. And now we're actually getting requests from people pre-Plan B's involvement who have High Desert Wolf dogs that they need altered or rehomed or something. Um, and so I can tell you, I think for me, I look back on it and I feel I was incredibly naive in so many ways. Um, but then again, I think that being naive might have contributed to the success, and, right? Because I didn't have any. And to just shed a little light on this, we're talking about 120, am I correct? We're right in that number? That was well. That's what we were told in the beginning, uh-huh. and then when we had did another count, it was actually close to 160. Right. And then when all were saved, the total is actually 185 because we had several pregnant females that were rehomed, um, uh, and they had their litters, which have also all been uh, rehomed. So, so um, 185. Yeah animals that lived in and this is something um, I'm going to be excited to interview the other portion of this um, uh, amazing rescue a little later on when Steve's up and running but we're going to uh, uh, with with Apex Protection and hear a little bit more but that's 185 animals and Betsy you don't say enough about when you went to court to need more time you had wasn't it a total of 30 days or was it, I don't even remember exactly, but it, to, to be able to rescue, get these dogs out, a lot of them weren't even um, used to human touch. Is that correct? Correct. That's absolutely correct. Um, and that's why most of those, so, you know, obviously as rescues go, the ones that are most social and most adoptable are going to go first, Yeah. right? Um, and then so we get down to the ones that weren't. Um, and so the majority of those ended up at Tonopah at Eagle Kill Mountain Wolf Sanctuary, um, which, which we can talk about in a little bit. Sure. Um, that's where most of them ended up, the majority of them, the largest chunk, if so, you will. So just to put this into perspective, how much time did you have originally and then you went to court to get more time? <laughs> you know, I, I started this on August 27th. And then I was in court, I want to say it was October 4th or 5th, um, because then we got to the first part of November, and we had run out of time. And the issue was we had uh, a rescue willing to take uh, 12, which would have been the last ones to go. Um, Eagle Tail was that same week as well. We had, and, and the problem was we ran out of vans. We ran out of transport vehicles. Mm. Because what happens at the beginning of November is FedEx uh, rents every single large van, truck, anything that they can get their hands on from Enterprise, Penske, everything for holiday delivery. Oh, my God. So I kid, I kid you not. I kid you not. This is the type of stuff that you would never think of in a million years would become the problem. And FedEx became the problem. <laughs> so what happened was... We, uh, animal control was going to do their final walkthrough and I sent an email to, uh, Mr. Byrne begging 
for more one more week. Um, I had papers proving the rescue that would take them. I had papers proving the transport had been paid for. And he did grant us that final week. So I guess from soup to nuts, it was probably like 75 days. Which understanding, I guess, and, and you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole episode. That, <laughs> that right. rescue truly. That um, rescue is a yeah. That was insane. But it was so remarkable. And you've got pups out there, dogs out there that have homes, that are happy, that aren't living in, you know, um, these enclosures, which, again, I'll, we'll hit on later with, with um, Steve and Paula. But I, to me, I think your naivety really did help make the, it all yeah. happen, truly. Because I think if you would have <laughs> yes. been able to foresee what you were about to go through, you would have went, uh-uh. <laughs> Because you guys, yeah. you didn't sleep for three months. No, no, it was, um, it was, it was all consuming. It was messy. Sometimes it was downright ugly. Mm-hmm. It was um, uh, the most stressful and probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done to date. Yeah. Um, and what really makes it what really makes it all okay, because I'm still, in a way, dealing with a lot of trauma and drama, if you will, mm-hmm. from that rescue, is when I get a picture sent to me of, you know, mom with the wolf dog with her little girl and saying, you brought her into our lives, yeah. right? Because of you, we now have so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, you know? And the ones who were in the inner inner circle and the ones who really understood what was going on, you know, they they understand as well. And they lived and breathed it too, yeah. you know, Susan and Apex. And, and, you know, I think even when it was all done, it took us quite a while to celebrate that success um, because of the, the stress surrounding it. Yeah. And, um, and for the longest time, I actually didn't even want to talk about it. I can imagine. And um, yeah, actually, I yeah, can't. it was very, it was a very, it was a very bizarre experience. I gotta tell you, would I do it again? I always say no, and all my friends look at me and go, "Yeah, right." Yeah, I, I don't buy that for a <laughs> but, second. Yeah, but you know, it was, um, it was a lot, Kim. It yeah. was. It, it, it. I'm glad it's, you know, I'm glad it was successful. You know, everyone kept telling me, "Just feel happy if you save 20. Well, right. if you think about this, and the county was going to come in and kill them all. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally even the puppies. Even yeah. the puppies. So yeah. it was one of yeah. those where if you had not been naive, if you had not taken that leap of faith, and that was beyond a leap. That was that was a drop. That was a precipice, you know, just <laughs> flying yeah. off. But if you wouldn't have done that and all that in that were involved – did not have the heart that they do. Um, that would have been literally 185 truly innocent innocent animals that would have yeah. been euthanized simply because of something that got out of control. And, right. Um, well, so good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that's one thing. That's one thing I will always say. You know, it's always about the animals. It's just about the animals because you know the animals didn't do anything wrong right? and they were going to pay the ultimate price potentially. Um, And for some people to say to me, I can't believe you, you know, you would help 
Debbie at Hide as a Wolf didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it wasn't about Because, her. all right, so let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. So I'm a firm believer, let people rise to the occasion, right? So um, Debbie, as you, I'm sure you can imagine, had, you know, uh, some definitely was on guard with me in the beginning. And, but we ended up talking really daily as this thing progressed, if not more than one time a day. And the situation, when it was complete, her life completely changed, right? Was it at the expense of time and money of others? Absolutely. I don't deny that. But her life completely changed where she suddenly felt a rebirth and then started doing good for others, right? I shudder to think what would have happened if all of those animals had been killed, the direction her life would have taken, right? Instead, even with all that it entailed, not only did we help those dogs, we actually helped a human being who's now helping other human beings. Which is something that you can absolutely, it wasn't an outcome you thought about, I'm sure. And it's, um, you know, probably wasn't even in the cards for you at the time. But to me, that to that's, it's a success all the way around. You know, you lost a few years, I'm sure, (laughs) through it all, but it was, I mean, truly, I, I can't, I can't, I can't give enough praise to all of you for doing what you did because I saw some of it as we were supposed to be traveling and, uh, you know, into Yellowstone and watching just the oh, yes, utter... Oh, right. yeah, that's right. And, and understandably, I mean, it was truly a lot. And, um, you know, again, that's that's an episode all of its own. That's, that's a book because of the amount of um, energy and time and money and just you know that was just an amazing amazing rescue truly and i just don't think anybody could totally grasp what you guys went through and what those pups went through and you know the successes you can you can you know see and read about um again plan b.foundation please go take a look at that for sure um we can keep going on that but we're going to run off to the e for education and that the e for education yeah yes So, obviously, Sedona Wolf Week uh, is, you know, our educational event of the year. We co-founded that event with the amazing Paula Vaquera and Steve Estelle of Apex Protection Project. Um, I think Tymon and I love them more than we love ourselves. (laughs) You guys make a great team. We, um, you know the way we came together and our history and here we are today. And, and um, I couldn't be more proud of them actually as an indiv- as an, in- as an organization that I got to know them as individuals while at Wolf Connection, although not very well because we worked on different days, but I have to say, you know, I remember the day they were building the one enclosure for Merlin and look where they are today. I mean, yeah. it's just astounding, astonishing. I can't say enough about them. I love them. They're rock stars. And I'm so thrilled that we do this event together. And it started as this ridiculous idea after showing um, the medicine of the wolf uh, here in Sedona. We showed it twice. And then Patrick, our dear friend of the Sedona International Film Festival, said, you know, it's sold out. Would you guys consider another show? And we said, yes. And that sold out in 20 minutes. And he said, can you do another? (laughs) So we did four shows in two days 
and then we brought the Apex pack out, and we had a little VIP event at the house, and the next thing you know, we've raised $20,000, and the idea for Sedona Wolf Week was born, wow. you know? Just from one event. <laughs> and from one event where clearly, clearly there was uh, a willingness to understand these amazing creatures. You know, when you're standing in that theater and you tell people there's about as many people in this theater as there are Mexican gray wolves in existence in the wild, you know, that those things hit home. And I can right? attest, this theater is a small, small <laughs> theater. So let's not think about this as some big, you know, right. 500, 1,000 yeah. seat theater. Yeah. It's not. No, it's about 110 feet, and at the time, I think we were at 113 Mexican gray wolves. Thankfully, yeah. their population has increased somewhat since. Let's but hope it keeps going. And you know, yeah, and so we wanted to create an event. You know, we understand people learn in very different ways. You know, um, we love. You know, people love to come and listen to speakers. People want to see films. People want to be entertained. They want to art, express themselves through art. They want to learn how to advocate. That's actually the evolution of Wolf Week that we've seen over the past couple of years is people really want to, they're passionate. So now what, what can they do right now, right? And uh, one of the elements that we touched on last year is we had Ken Ferber come out and do a little presentation on advocacy, you know, tips for people creating advocacy campaigns. And to get back to something you said earlier about grassroots organizations, we're so thrilled this year that Ken Ferber is actually going to come and be available for organizations to review their advocacy campaigns with him. Oh, wow. Where he, Yeah, where he will sit down with your team and review your advocacy campaign and provide, uh, you know, you know, ways that it can be improved or slight changes, nuances, whatever it may be. Oh, you want to talk to these guys? Never think, maybe think about talking to these guys. So I'm so excited about that because it's going to be a workshop to help these smaller organizations really refine their their advocacy campaigns. Um, so that's coming to Wolf. That's going to be different this year. So, that we're going to have. So the big thing with Sedona Wolf Week um, is it's changed a little bit as far as timing. Needed a little bit more time off, and so this year yes. Sedona Wolf Week is going to be in November. Correct. Uh, 2020, November, let me rephrase that, the 2020. Yes, yes. So November 10th to the 15th, with the 10th being the kickoff day, really just the film, the film night. And the reason for the change was a couple of things. One is we have the most amazing sponsor, Poco Diablo Resort. These guys give us so much to make this event a success. Um, honestly, we could not do it without them. It's a really uh, incredible great venue. resort. Beautiful grounds, yes. wonderful folks, yes. um, and that's Poco Diablo yes. Resort in Sedona, uh, Arizona. Um, yes. Really, it is. They've and been you're a great wanna, venue. Yes, and you're going to want to start booking your room now, trust me. Literally. Um, I screw it up so, every year. Every year I screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, however, spring in Sedona is the key season. I mean, it's just insane from a traffic perspective, the number of events, hotels mm -hmm. sell out. And so we decided moving it to November, um, early November, of course, would be better um, from a perspective for our sponsor and for us. Additionally, it's a better time for the ambassador pack that comes with Apex, right? Because the temperatures are far more um, in their range of what is good for them, comfortable for them. Mm. Uh, in spring here now, it can, still, it can get quite hot 
quite quickly. Oh yeah. So that was that was the plus. And to be honest, we did need a little bit of a breather. We were growing needs and bounds in so many ways, and then there's other ways that we still need to work on to continue to be sustainable. And I'm just going to be, you know, fully transparent here. You know, it takes a lot of time and effort and money to put this on. Absolutely. And the donations, yeah, and the donations that we receive um, through people who attend various events, because there's only certain events that we do require a minimum donation, otherwise it's free to attend, Mm -hmm. is what helps keep us in the black. And then any net revenue after expenses is split between the two two organizations, which, you know, have, obviously, I feel, outstanding missions. And um, that money is used to serve those missions. So that's why it doesn't seem to make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Plus, you know, in Sedona being a very small community, um, we have a lot of supporters who participate in the Sedona Film Festival, which happens at the very end of February. And so we were starting to kind of encroach on each other, and we love Patrick so much that we didn't want to do that. So we kind of opened that up a little bit, which is great. You know, it's great for our volunteers. It's great yeah. for our donors. It's great for, yeah. And, and uh, what's interesting, though, is this year is going to be right after the election. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, let's let's we'll leave that alone too, because you know I can go off on that one. Um, so we'll leave that alone. But I think no matter what time of year it is, um, if it, I've been lucky enough and uh, to be there for the last two years, and uh, my colleague Mark has been there for all three, and that's how uh, how it all yeah. came about, and it's been just fantastic. Yeah. And uh, but Sedona Wolf Week has had some, uh, and it is the education to me it it it's it's amazing education for the fact that we have um you've got folks that are coming in that ranch in wolf country so they talk about what it is what it takes to ranch in wolf country so this isn't just you know it's not kumbaya this is not just um right a a bunch of advocacy groups getting together to talk about how wonderful or how hard or you know what can we do this is literally an education for everyone and so it's you know Come in if you're a rancher and and learn from the same people that you know that do the same thing you do um, because these are some really good folks. You know you've got uh, um, Carter Niemeyer who worked for Wildlife Services for 30 years, retired with them, who talks about trapping. You know who talks about these different um, you know what it is, what it takes. To, you know he helped with the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone and, and Idaho. So. There's just so many awesome people that are there to talk about what they do, how to do it. Um, so the education aspect is is phenomenal. I learn something every year. Yeah, you're, you're so right, Kim. Hand to God, I've had ranchers who've attended Wolf Week say to me that they have never felt as supported by ranchers in their own community than they have by the wolf advocates. Um, one of my favorite ranchers is Kevin here out of Arizona and the year he showed up, you know, he had been sent there by his boss. Right. And he didn't know what, he he didn't want to stand up. He didn't want to be on the panel. He Uh didn't know what was going to happen. And by the end of the session, he's standing up and talking and he said, I never felt more comfortable. Right. In a setting like this. And then likewise on the other side, um, I'll never forget the year. Um, We have a wonderful, uh, uh, Chelsea, wonderful volunteer for Apex, hardcore vegan, hardcore animal advocate, stand up and say, I see your point of view. You know, so uh, you're right. It's bring, you know, are all the questions answered? Absolutely not. 
you know. Yeah. But we are about trying to start to bridge the gaps that we can. And we'd also like to point out that the people who come that we're talking to, they're not the factory farmers, right? Exactly. They're not the cattle barons. These are the guys, you know, that are out there um, doing what they, I would assume, love um, and looking to coexist with their uh, wildlife neighbors. There's that and understanding. An yeah. understanding, exactly. Yeah, they yeah. understand the fact that, you know, they are in wild country. And I think that's a thing yeah. that, that I'm, I, I'm, I, I do believe that there's extremes, right, on both sides. And then there's of course. those of us in the center that say, I'm not out here to take away your livelihood. As a matter of fact, I want to help you. I want to help you move right. forward. And that, to me, was a really big um, lesson in having the ability to listen to Joe and those guys up there um, talking about, you know, going out range riding, you know, moving moving their cattle around and all that. It's like, listen, we're not afraid to take out a wolf if we have to because it is our livelihood. However, we prefer not. And so we want to live with, right. with the wildlife as well. And that's, I think, what um, many of us as advocates um, are looking for is to say, I get it. It's your livelihood. It's what you love to do. It's what you were born in some right. cases to do. And so how can we right. help you sustain your living while we still sustain wildlife? And, uh, right. you know, I love and, that. Yeah, and with that said, I'm going to give a plug because that's what we do. We, we lift all ships to Karen Vardaman of the Working Circle and uh, Hillary and Joe and Carter and us and others that travel with her uh, educating ranchers on the possibility of coexistence. So, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And they are returning. And, yeah, and they're returning in November, so we're thrilled with that as well. Which is going to be awesome. And it's, it's always good to hear um, all sides of it. And you have to. You can't be successful if you're very one-sided. I think you have to recognize and understand where everybody's coming from, um, you know, Weed the things out that that are a little ridiculous, but literally, truly listen to those that, that have something to say. Um, I think it's important. Um, what right. else? Talk about. Let's talk about Sedona a little bit, if you'd like, because I love it. It's you know, and I'm talking about Sedona Wolf Week. Sedona's fun, but Sedona Wolf Week yeah. is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely a, a well, re- really remarkable time. Yeah. And I think you know because obviously we don't go hang out with wolf packs in Yellowstone. Um, one of the things that we do that uh, Apex has created, which again I'm just going to say is astounding, is they have rescued uh, wolf dogs from various situations and formed a pack with these wolf dogs that we call the Ambassador Pack. Mm-hmm. And when people and children have the opportunity to meet members of this pack. And really, truly get a sense of what a wolf is like through this interaction. You have forever changed that person Absolutely. to become an advocate for those beings, right? Whether it's simply uh, correcting their friends who may, you know, start believing in the myth to becoming full-blown advocates themselves. Um, Carol Miller, one of my favorite stories, she said, you know, she had, a, she had wanted to always do something and, uh, Sedona Wolf Week was one of those inspiring things that pushed her to create the 06 legacy. Yeah. You know, Carol's I love, wonderful. I love hearing those things. Oh, Carol's amazing. Yeah, she's um, you, you know, you hear, you hear those things that people have gone on, uh, to do their own thing. 
um, based on something that might have inspired them at Wolf Week combined with other things going on in their lives to move that forward is amazing. To hear children, um, you know, when Apex goes and does presentations, because we incorporate school presentations in Wolf Week as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'll ask at the beginning, who's afraid of wolves, right? And you may get, you know, several hands or 10 hands, whatever it may be. And then when they ask the question again later, there are no hands raised, right? And it's just a beautiful thing to see these children um, experience for themselves, right? No longer listening to the myths, no longer reading Red Riding Hood and the Three Little Pegs, but seeing and touching and feeling for themselves what amazing creatures wolves are and that they deserve to be here and that they deserve to be protected. You know, those are the moments that make all those long hours and everything that goes into it worth Absolutely. It. Taking you know, away when, the myth. A, yeah. Yeah. When an adult cries, when they meet, you know, one of the pack members for the first time or overcomes their fear, right, and lets their granddaughter go in and meet the wolf dog, you know, that's the, that's the kind of stuff that is going to create that change, right, that ripple that just you don't even know where it's going to go. Um, and so that's one of the most amazing things that Wolf Week, I think, that we have to offer. There is a donation required for those interactions, and it goes right back to the Wolf Dog Pack, right? So it's all for a good cause. Um, this year, we're also, we had several people come up to us and say, I would like a more intimate experience with Carter or with Rick mm-hmm. or with, you know, I want to ask them questions. I want to, you know, and so we're offering uh, not one-on-one, but small group settings of four to six maybe the most eight people with some of the speakers that people really wanted to connect with at a, at a more um, intimate level. And that's Carter, Rick, um, Maggie Howell is coming from the Wolf Conservation Center mm-hmm. for the first time and uh, Emma Oak White and any others who would like to join in on that. But so far those four have said yes. So when we talk about and just, to, just to throw this out there really quick, sorry, Betsy, but when we talk, we're talking about Rick McIntyre, <laughs> From oh, yeah, from yeah. from oh, Yellowstone sorry, National think. Park, probably the uh, greatest social knowledge storyteller. Rick is a um, oh. god. I I love the man more than anything. And then we're talking about my buddy Carter Nehemiah, who is just a big <laughs> monster of a cool dude. But he's got. Uh, if anybody, seriously, these are these people are worth just. Uh, coming to listen to in general um you know and we're, we're still trying to get your other favorite Jake i Smith know too. he's gonna drive me crazy <laughs> and we'll leave him out of it right now we're, we just talked but we're not going to talk about him today but um yeah rick had every rick mcintyre from yellowstone he had just retired and he's starting to write books and um about all of his wolves uh, the man has never missed a a, a, a day in the park um, and he has studied the wolf since the inception, uh, having them back. And um, Rick had everybody in tears talking about uh, Wolf Number yeah. Eight, and yeah. that book is out, by the way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, just to listen to his stories, um, we were all crying. I'm crying thinking about it right now. But I know. Rick will be I know. back again next year. Carter's going to be back again next year. Amarok Weiss, who truly um, I was in awe of listening to last year. Amarok is. Um, just absolutely her knowledge her uh courage she's a just a a great speaker in general but really awesome at what she does and so amarok was there and you know truly i can't i could name everybody 
Um, but every year it's been just you've one upped yourself each year, and um, I really look forward to uh, I look forward to November. I think it's going to be yeah better. Um, yes, absolutely. And you know, Amarok and Carter um, have been so wonderful with me because again, I I you know I I know what I don't know, right? And there's so much that I don't know still about wolves and. I can just reach out to either one of them, and it's just amazing how wonderful they are in um, patience and time to respond and continue to teach me so I can continue to be a better wolf advocate. So I'm really, you know, just so honored to be to be able to call them, you know, friends in a way, right? Absolutely. Because of the things that we do. And Rick is going to be talking about his book. Absolutely. Uh. We're going to do a special night like we did last year with Rick Lamplew. We're going to do a special night with Rick McIntyre, and he's going to read experts and story, excerpts and storytell, and then we'll have a VIP reception afterwards where you can meet him and get your book signed. And and all of that, um, you know, the schedule and everything is already out on SedonaWolfWeek.com. And that's SedonaWolfWeek.com, correct? You said that. I got that yeah. right. Okay, good. Yeah. Making sure I've got it correct. Fantastic. Okay. Where are we at? We're at the last one. We're on S. <laughs> ah, that's right. We're on S. I'm like trying to remember how to spell. So now we're at, at <laughs> it's it's important sanctuary. So I mean, you, you know, when it comes to um, well, that's the new gig you got going on, right, down there in Sedona or in the area. Yeah. So you know, it it wasn't necessarily in the plan, but when I say I live and breathe in the HTW rescue every day, a large part of that is the Eagle Town Mountain Wolf Sanctuary with uh, Kelly Reed, an amazing, amazing guy, and then of course some other things that we continue to still uh, deal with regarding HTW. But um, Kelly Reed had at one point uh, a wolf dog, an active wolf dog rescue where he had upwards of 120 dogs himself. And, you know, they just have old age and whatnot, you know, because this was, you know, years ago. And the infrastructure was still there. And as I understand it, he saw a news story when um, it broke about all the puppies and mothers uh, needing socialization and needing to be adopted. And he decided he was going to help. So he initially took, um, I think it was 18 um, down there. Um, and just so you know, we, we vetted everyone, you know, there was a process and sometimes, you know, for the most part it worked out and sometimes it didn't and we'd go back and fix, fix that. And there is a closing statement on that I will make later, but, um, a lot of the infrastructure needs refreshing. Um, we're putting in a new water system. I'm so thrilled that Susan, who's an amazing transporter is going to be living on the property full time now, uh, to help out, um, he has 46 of the HDW dogs there. So Timon and I go down, are starting to go down there on a regular basis. We're right there with him, picking up poop, you know, <laughs> making it happen. All the glorious <laughs> work, right? All the glory. Yeah. In addition to, you know, talking about the future and getting, uh, in fact, coming up in January, uh, because these dogs, the last batch of HDW dogs to leave did not get altered. We had a mobile vet on, on premise who was, uh, staying and neutering like crazy, and because none of them were, right? Mm -hmm. uh, very few, I should say. And so the ones that went to Tonopah arrived, and um, they needed to be, they needed to have some acclimating and socialization before we could even think about doing altering. Plus, finding a mobile vet, vet 
to go to Tanapa because, again, we're talking about, you know, doesn't exactly live close to all the resources. Um, we had to source that as well. And there's not a lot you can do in Tonopah, Arizona between, I would say, April and November because of the heat. Um, and it's just too stressful for the dogs. So when we were in there down in November working on the property, it was 90 degrees oh in November. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. So we're going to try and squeeze a lot into December, January, February, March. And uh, that includes massive uh, infrastructure refresh, water systems, spaying and neutering, uh, 24 animals, and just so everyone knows, males and females are separated. We'll have like an unaltered male with altered females. You know, there's no puppies. There's no puppies in the future. There's no way we want puppies. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we know what happens uh, when when you know there's no uh, when there when there's no separation and breeding occurs. You end up with yes. 185 dogs. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, so we have a lot to do in the next several months, and, it's, and we've had some very generous donors um, help out, which is fabulous. Um, but this is going to be an ongoing um, project for Plan B. Um, we will we have, in a sense, adopted that sanctuary um, because I have to say, on a personal level, everything else aside, I still feel very responsible for the lives of those dogs. Um, and uh, you know we want to we want to be there to help Kelly who took on this you know took this on for us. So that's what sanctuary really means and the cares is it's really about uh, Eagle Tail down in Tonopah and the ongoing needs to provide enrichment, food, veterinary services, structural you know whatever it may be to the day to day of running a sanctuary. So that's really what that's all about. It's a lot of work and I don't know how many folks out there realize the amount of um work uh money i'm gonna say it straight up money yeah um it's a lot um i volunteered years back for uh wolf sanctuary here uh, in colorado and it's a lot (laughs) it it, you know just the day-to-day care the upkeep the vet bills Mm -hmm. the vet bills Mm -hmm. were just out of control and so anybody out there if you really want to understand and you want to help um plan b and all the ventures because it's not just certain um groups there's a lot of folks you've helped and and you can actually go to um plan b dot foundation and you can check out just some of the 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 uh, animals and the uh, yes. um, groups that Plan B has actually helped um, you yeah. know, through through donations and so on and so forth. So this isn't just one here and there. This is literally um, really some great work for great organizations that are out there and just really helping to save um, some animals. Truthfully, that's that. Like you said, that's what it's all about. The animals are first, and um, so yeah. go to go go to Plan B dot Foundation, and you can see for yourselves um, just some of the amazing success stories that Plan B has uh, has had. And um, there's a big donate button, and I can't stress enough to hit that button, big time. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. In fact. If, if for anyone who's never been to our site, what you will see if you scroll down the home page as well as on the donate page, uh, by year, uh, a little square in the amount of money that went to whatever's in that little square. So whether it's a picture of a wolf dog that was saved or transported or needed heartworm treatment 
or if it was, because education is part of our mission as well, right? Uh, a film festival, or we also um, we also help with the billboard campaign that Trap Free Montana does. Yeah. Um, to make to make sure those that they stay up in those key places so that the uh, trappers don't you know can't take them over. Um, so anyone going there, you can see very clearly. It shows you very clearly where the money goes. It's um, very, you can just see it visually. It's very out there for you to see, so you you know exactly what um, what those donations are going for, and everything is very um, transparent with uh, with Plan B, and so. Um, you know, it's never behind the scenes where you're getting these these phone calls from an organization going, really help help this horrible situation, and you really don't know what your money mm-hmm. went to. You know, you guys are just really out there, and the transparency is is huge. And so, I appreciate that yeah. personally, um, because you know, I can be a little grumpy about organizations sometimes where I really don't know where that twenty five dollars <laughs> went to, kind of a thing. So, um, I appreciate that. Um, well, so, the other thing, just real quick, that I'd like to say, Kim, is yeah. in time and I, we don't take money from Plansky. You know, we don't, we're, volu- we're, we're the founders and we're volunteers. So, you know, in case anyone, you know, is curious, we don't, we don't take a salary um, from our donations. Maybe in the future, there's an opportunity for an executive director, but right now we're running it as ourselves, as volunteers. Um, the only salary which there isn't any is i occasionally pay for an administrative assistance you know which is amounts to a couple hundred bucks here and there people should know their donor dollars are going to all those things that you see on our website and if you wanted to go to something specific like let's say you know the art for advocacy project your thing you can put that right in the comments of your donation if you wanted to go to john if you just wanted to go in general you know to help in everything that we do um to your point, Kim, a significant amount of every every donation goes right back to advocating on behalf of the wild wolf and or rescuing wolf dogs. Thank you for that. And I think to me, if, if more organizations actually allowed you to say, this is really important to me and this is where my money goes, I want my money to go to, you know, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that because I know exactly what's happening and I can follow that. And um, yes. so I know... I know y'all, I know how amazing you are, and I really want everybody out there to recognize that. So please check them out. Check Plan B out. Check Sedona Wolf Week out. Um, just really important um, organizations and um, uh, educational. Um, I can't say enough. I really can't. Um, what else do I want? I, I could sit and talk to you all day long. I, You know, it would just be <laughs> too easy to do. But, you know, advocacy, you, you, you did say something, and I want to kind of just round this out a little bit, but, you know, you got into this advocacy thing, you know, by volunteering. Um, and you got into it, and, and it exploded. Girl, you exploded. You know, you, it's crazy what you've accomplished. Um, I mean, you've got your head in everything. Let's put this out there. You are the co-founder of Plan B to Save Wolves. You are the, what do they call it, the co-producer of Sedona Wolf Week. You're a member of the National Coalition to End Killing Contests. You are the, what is it, um, you're a member of the, what, the uh, Arizona Wildlife Team. You are the district leader for the Humane leader. Society of the United States. I don't know how many hats, I mean, that's a lot already, but how many more do you think you can take on? 
Well, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, obviously I have to start prioritizing. Um, advocacy is really like, you know, advocacy and education because they go hand in hand. I would say in a way that Sedona uh, Wolf Week is an advocacy event as well. But, you know, standing, I, I wish everyone felt the way I did, and maybe they do. But when you stand in front of a county commission or a city council, or Governor's Regulatory Review Committee, and you use your voice for three minutes for something you're so incredibly passionate about, that is the most empowering thing you could possibly do. Amen. And I wish I wish everyone would take that opportunity and do that. You know what? And even if it's not about wolves and wildlife, okay? Because there are a lot of causes out there that need a lot of champions. Don't get me wrong. And I'm still in that, you know, the tide lifting all ships thing. Take that. Take use what has been given to you and go out there and do it. And it's so empowering. And the next thing you know, you're hooked. And you're pursuing it. And you're making it happen. And you're making change. And you're reaching people. And that's the, that's the wonderful part of it, right? And here's the part that you need to take as you go along. The haters, the naysayers, the liars, you know, the people who, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not the only one, obviously. All of our dear friends we know have had their lives threatened, their pets threatened, and been followed, um, you know, you name it. What I found with those, so for example, I was in a Flagstaff City Council meeting, and a team member of mine was Matt Francis, who's in the bathroom, and I guess some, some of the guys were talking about that woman from Sedona, and blah, 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 <laughs> and, you know, and so when I got done giving my testimony, I would turn around, and I would walk back to my seat, and I would look at each of them right in the eye, and you know what? They, they never looked back. That's a fact. Because, because you're right, because... Because light bends over dark, right? Good does beat evil. Um, you know, there is nothing that they can say to justify pleasure killing. And so because of that, people need to know you're in the right. You're in the power. You know, just look at them in the eye because they can't look back. Um, and so that that's just something I try to stress to people all the time. So standing up there and giving my three minutes is probably one of my most favorite things to do. And as I mentioned, I generally use their own words, right? What makes people change? They have to be affected personally, either literally emotionally, personally, or financially. And when I stood in front of the GRRC in Arizona and said, how are you going to explain this to your children if you do not pass this ban? And I handed out photos of what the people in the room had done. Right? Wow. What are they going to say? What are they going to say? What are they going to tell their five-year-old? And it shows character right? when they say nothing. It shows their character exactly. when they oppose. It shows their character. Right. And I think that's something that, um, you know, when you talk about that, that empowerment, um, you know, it was years and years ago that I stood there for the first time in Montana, and I was nervous. I mean... There was a lot of car hearts and cowboy hats around me, and I walked up with, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> I had a pair of jeans on and, and some, some uh, hiking boots, but it was empowering, and it was empowering to say, no, you will listen to me when they attempted not to. Yeah, and, exactly. And that, that is important because it, you're right. It, it is, it's a hook because at that point you realize, wait a minute, 
I have a voice. This is still the good old USA, and I still have a voice, and it's time to use it. And we need to do that, I think, um, in many in many aspects um, with our leaders. And uh, you're right. You know, it doesn't matter. There's many causes out there, but um, we all have our own. And I think that's that's important. Right. So to stand up and speak yeah. out, for sure. Yeah. And 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 just one last. If I were, you know, if anybody were going to listen to this podcast and walk away with one thing, it's it's a subject I touched on at Wolf Week. It's, you know, we gotta we gotta stop we gotta stop fighting with each other. We're all on the same page, you know, whether it's advocacy groups or rescue groups. And I'm just going to use rescue as the example here. You know, we all have the same end goal, right? Saving the animals. There's, I, I, nothing turns my stomach more than to see the infighting within rescue groups, whether it's on social media or on email or this or that. You know, we have to stand together. And anyone who's done rescue knows it's messy as hell, okay? Even the best of intentions and the best laid-out plan, everything can go wrong at the last minute. And people do make mistakes. And as long as they're trying to right those mistakes, you know, how about helping them instead of judging them, right? I mean, I don't think any of us can look at our past and say, you know, everything was picture perfect. I would like to see more unity. I would like to see more compassion and understanding, less judgment, less ego. Let's just get the job done, right? And, and you know. Start listening to one to, another. Yeah. Yeah. Working together. And because we've all been there. We've all been there. You know, we've all messed up. Constantly. Um, and I'd also claim <laughs> to, yeah. <laughs> and I don't claim to know any anything more than anyone else. In, in fact, I'll tell you flat out, I still consider myself pretty uh, much a beginner in all this wolf, wolf world and wolf dog rescue. You know, if someone asked me to see no type of wolf dog, I'd say, honestly, I, I'm not qualified to do that. Just because I rescued them didn't mean I'm qualified to phenotype them and, you know, and everything in between. Right. And it's just having some understanding and some compassion and, um, you know, because that's how, that's how we're going to win, right? That's how we're going to win. Well, you are someone that is filled with buckets and buckets of compassion and drive and love. And if there's anybody to hold up on a pedestal, and I say that truthfully. Um, I put you very high up there as someone that is uh, I can learn from, and that I would love to emulate as much as I can in my life. And so, learning from you has been um, a pleasure, and and getting to know you all better has been just probably one of the greatest gifts. And to me, what you do is, I I your energy is of a five-year-old kid. You've got more energy than anybody I know, <laughs> um, which just makes me crazy because I wish I had half of it. Um, there's just so much that you're doing and so much going forward. And I love the new, you know, the CARES motto. I think it's perfect. I think it is absolutely, and I think you explained it very well, you know, each each aspect of it. But is there anything going forward that you want to talk about? Is there anything you want to say before we wrap it up and go on with the rest of our evening? Um, no, I think, you know, that that's what I really wanted to say with my last comment, you know, that 
let's just stand together. You know, mistakes are inevitable. Forgiveness is essential. You know, if we're all coming from the right intention, mm. you know, we'll get there. But we're only going to get there together. And we all and, have. And uh, there's a lot. Go ahead. No, I was just to say, and there's a lot to do. You know, a lot of what we do, Kim, you know, is tied to public land issues, too. And the public land issue is huge. And I don't know if that will ever change, considering its history going back, you know, hundreds of years. Um, you know, there's a lot to do. And we can only do it if we come together, you know, and have a, a you know, a, a continuity of message, standing together. Literally, if thousands of if thousands of us got together, we could end wildlife services, right? Or at least make massive reform. You know, and that would be possible. so big. Just that alone would be possible. big. And I, I yeah, think... we've been doing all kinds of. Oh, sorry, we've been doing all kinds of FOIAs on wildlife services here, and I'm working on something that I don't want to talk about just yet because I don't want to tip my hand. But you know, we're discovering a lot of things in Arizona regarding wildlife services and the Mexican gray wolf and the Game and Fish Commission that you know our tax dollars are not being used the way we want them. I know in many ways, but in this instance, as it relates to wolves and wildlife. So, well, I think more to come on that. I was, well, that <laughs> makes me happy because that means I get to talk to you again, right? Does that mean we're going to do this again? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yay! And it's it's uh, going to be very revealing, trust me. <laughs> well, and I think it's important, and I know that um, there are folks out there that have been trying to open that up, and our friend Carter's one of them. And I think that at some point, I really want to have a little roundtable. Uh, podcast where we're sitting around and discussing these issues that I think need to be put out there. And the one thing that, um, and I I, I harp on this a lot, but it's it's imperative as advocates that we have to be factual. And so everything that we say cannot be skewed um, and and we'll never live it down and we'll never be uh, um, credible um, in in the minds of those that have a tendency to skew and and, uh, fabricate. But um, you know, I think in general, I'm, I'm excited for that, but I think, uh, unity is everything. I think you're absolutely correct. I know you're right. And, uh, having everyone to get together from the big groups to the small, but especially in my opinion, um, small groups getting together, working together, um, we are big, you know, we're big that way mm-hmm. and we can absolutely. make change when we come together and not fight um, I think we see too much of the opposition that gets together because they don't care as long as the outcome is the same. And um, we need to do more of that. And with people like you, um, I think we can. So thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you so much for telling me all yeah. about everything. And folks, again, Plan B dot foundation. Um, and that way you can find out more about Plan B. SedonaWolfWeek.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yay. And I am Wolf Nation. <laughs> Seriously, if you look up Plan B, you're going to find everything. And if you have any questions or comments, anything like that, um, don't hesitate. If I miss something, to give me a shout as well. Um, again, Betsy, thank you so much for being with me today. And thank we you, will Kim. talk again in the future. Absolutely. Take care. You do the same. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We would like to thank you for stopping by and listening in on all things Wolf and Wild. We would like to thank our sponsors, NRS Rafts, Vortex Optics, and SKB Cases. 
Most importantly, we'd like to thank you, our supporters and followers. We could not do this without you. Thanks.